bivocational youth ministry, strategies, and best practices. All this and more on youth and culture. Well, guys, today is episode number 12, and I'm really excited about this topic. Uh, We're going to be talking about bivocational ministry, which is something that I am not qualified to talk about, but I have Clint today. So Clint, I'm totally excited to talk to you about bivocational ministry. Uh, Yeah, me too. Uh I, I have a lot of experience with the bivocational ministry. I've been doing it for the last uh, three years, four four years, uh, and uh, definitely completely different experience than full time ministry for sure. Oh yeah, it, most of I I personally do not know how people do bivocational ministry. Uh, I think it's the way ministry is going to be going in in the future, more bivocational. Uh, kind of based off of where our culture is going, um, but uh, it's to me it's kind of hard to to really grasp how to do uh, bivocational ministry. So that's, I'm really excited about us us talking today uh, and diving into this subject. And and guys, those of you who are listening, uh, I want to just thank you for tuning in, uh, making this podcast a part of your day. Again, if you, if you find uh, this content. Uh, that, that we're going over, you find it useful and helpful, uh, just give us a five-star review, leave a positive comment. Uh, this makes it easier for others to find this content and find this podcast. Uh, so just shout out, just do that for us if you're able to. Again, that helps us a little bit as well. So again, I am excited about what we're talking about. It's excited talking about bivocational ministry. So tune in to this week's episode. Guys, again, uh, super excited to be talking to Clint again this week. And uh, this week's topic is uh, really a, a topic that's really important, uh, really in our area, because our area we have a lot of bivocational pastors, whether it's a youth ministry, uh, senior pastor, we just have a lot of that in our areas. And so that's kind of our context. And that's even Clint's context, mm-hmm. uh, even today. Uh, so, Clint, again, this is not my expertise uh, whatsoever. Um, so, so kind of, kind of talk a little bit about. Um, give us some pointers and uh, about how to be effective in bivocational ministry. Okay. Well, the first thing for me is uh, managing your time well. Um, most of us out there have families and jobs and then church and we got to figure out what's most important to us personally. Um, For me, it's my family, uh, making sure that they're taken care of and 
I'm doing my first ministry at home uh, with my family. Uh, second is my ministry job uh, where I make sure that my youth students are taken care of and my leaders are taken care of, and then I'm leading them properly. And then thirdly is my job, which is just as important as the first two because I have to pay the bills somehow. If I don't pay the bills, I can't take care of either, right? So you have to figure out a good balance between the, the three. Um, you definitely have to do some trial and error for, for that part uh, because it doesn't work out all the time. Sometimes you're going to drop some things. Sometimes you're not going to be able to do some good things. And uh, you might have to drop a ministry event to attend a ball game. But that brings me into my next point, you know, uh, having a good team behind you. Uh, investing in your leaders, investing in your student leaders so that they can lead well, um, and just uh, having faith in them because uh, the world still revolves when you're not there. You know, it's still going to happen. Uh, if you're not there, the ministry event's not going to fall completely apart, and you have to trust your staff, trust your leaders and everything to do that. And that's been a one of the hardest parts for me is trusting people to get stuff done. Uh, I'm a control freak by nature. I micromanage a little bit. And uh, you just have to get a, get a, away from that and trust God's going to do what he's going to do. Uh, because sometimes jobs come have to come first and you're going to miss an event uh, like going to some festival you know, like going to some uh, Carowinds. We go to Carowinds every year, and sometimes I'm not able to go. Or if you're going on a mission trip, you know, you might not be able to to um, go fully. You might be able to go for a couple days or whatever. But just uh, trusting that people are going to take care of, of what they know how to do. Um, that's a big thing for me. Um, so what... What's something full-time ministry would you need to have successful ministry that you don't think bivocational ministers would be able to do? Uh, it, it really depends on you know, your context, your church context, and the philosophy of your church, where your church is designed for. Uh, the average, I would say the average church in America, uh, and again, I'm, I, I'm not an expert, so I may be wrong, so... I may be kind of a, a bold statement to say, but I, I, from what I have my experience, I feel like the majority uh, of churches in America are more designed to have a full-time pastor mm -hmm. in a sense of the way it's structured and expectations. And what I, what I mean by structured is um, if, if it's, if, if all the ministry uh if basically, for instance, if you have a, a, a brick and mortar campus, it, a lot of times a brick and mortar campus mm -hmm. has an expectation of you need to be doing this, being out in the office this many hours, you need to be uh, with you this many hours, and all these different uh, type of expectations dealing with or around this. Uh, so that's that's uh, that's kind of what I think when it comes to that. That's kind of where I lean. Uh, more tours now for me what's for me what's would be hard personally and again this has to do with what you just said with the control freak part is is i naturally want to do everything 
And I think um, that's what I like about both uh, bivocational. The mm-hmm. mentality of that is is training and equipping mm-hmm. uh, more for other people to do ministry rather than yourself. Uh, just like when Francis Chan came out with his new book, uh, Letters to the Church. And uh, it's a phenomenal book. If you haven't read it, if you're listening, you haven't read it, get the book. I'm not, we're not endorsed by him whatsoever, but that is a phenomenal book. Yeah, it is. Very convicting book. Uh, but throughout the book, it's, it's, it's talking about, um, uh, in a sense, talking about smaller is, is actually better mm-hmm. in a sense. And, and I kind of kind of agree with that. But in the, his, he's basically mm-hmm. has built a, a home church type of mentality of the home church network. And all these pastors are bivocational. They don't get, they don't get, don't, most of them don't even get paid mm-hmm. for what they do within the ministry. They just have a heart for it. Kind of like Paul. Paul didn't, and scripture didn't get necessarily get paid to do what he did. He, he was a tent maker. Mm-hmm. He was bivocational and traveled, but he had a heart for ministry. And I think that aspect of bivocational, bivocational kind of drives that mentality and that heart where you still have that a little, you still have that in full time, but it's just, it's a little bit easier to get stagnant when you're in full time because you're constantly, you're getting paid to do what you do. Uh, So it's sometimes to me, at least, I feel like it's easy to get stagnant. And but far as difficulties, I would say it's, it's harder to do as much as you want to do bivocational um it's a much easier to do what you want to do when you're full-time because you have the time yeah that is your job you're, you're doing it full-time uh so that's probably one of the biggest things i see there you know last time uh when we met we talked about uh discipleship as being one of the the biggest parts of uh defining a successful ministry so my question is going to be along the lines of how do you disciple somebody in full-time ministry versus discipling students in a bivocational ministry? I'll say full-time. A lot of times uh, the difference that most people, uh, I think at least, do, uh, because this is, this is including me, I personally try to spend a lot of my time with teens personally, because I have the, have the time. Again, mm-hmm. I, I'm able to do that. I have the time with teens and also training. I have more time to train adults. Uh, that And when you have bivocational, if you're bivocational, you have less time. Mm-hmm. So your time has to be more planned out, more intentional. And that's what we were talking about earlier, having have, being prepared, having a game plan, uh, knowing what you're doing. So that, I would think that's uh, probably the difference between those two. Yeah. Definitely, um, you hit the nail on the head with yours. You're more invested into the teens' lives personally. Um, not saying that I'm not. I I try and get to as many events for my teens as I possibly can, but uh, I have to invest into my leaders so that they're investing into my students. Um, discipling leaders is just as important in a bivocational ministry as discipling the people that you're ministering to um, because you're not going to be able to disciple the 30 kids that's in your youth group or the 50 kids that's in your youth group as intentionally being bivocational as you could being a full-time minister. So you have to trust your, your leaders 
that they're going to do that and be intentional. Um, right now we're running where we have probably 15 minutes where we do a big message and then we spend the majority of the time doing small groups. And the way ours works right now is our small group leaders are the ones that are being invested into the team's lives. Um, I have to be invested in my small group leaders' lives so that they can pour out into my teens. And that that's the, seems to be a big difference between what bivocational and full-time ministry people do uh, for me personally. Um, but that's uh, going to lead me into to this. You, you don't have a whole lot of experience, but what would be something that you think would work as a job for ministry? Um, I've, I've had a couple different jobs and they've all worked completely different with my ministry, but what would be a job that you would think would work or what's the job that you would think wouldn't work being a bivocational minister? That is a phenomenal question. Uh, I don't think there's really, uh, a dead set, set answer to that question. Cause again, it, it, every, there's a context. Uh, to every church, the culture in every church. Uh, so I don't think there's a, there's, a, there's a great answer to it. But one answer, uh, one thing I definitely know is that if you're in a job situation to where you're traveling a lot and um, to where your business trips or whatever it is, if you're traveling a lot, then that's probably not the best uh, coupling when it comes to a job uh, when it comes to, uh, to ministry, because ministry, you need to be somewhat available there locally where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, if it means going out for lunch, you have a lunch break, your job, going out lunch with a teenager, or really you need to be spending more, like you said, spending more time with adults mm-hmm. uh, in your ministry because you're really going to have to depend a lot of them. So it's a lot of training that you have to do with your adults. So majority of your time really does, needs to be spent like from lunch breaks or being available on uh, weekends, Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but part of that, again, you have to balance uh, with your family, uh, balance that uh, with other things in your life. Because so, the thing is, is this, especially if you're, if you're listening, if you're single, you have a whole lot more time. Yes. A whole lot more time yes. to be able to do things. And you know, it, it's just the, the the nature of being single. You don't have to worry about your time. Your time is your own. Uh, of course, you have your job and other things like that. But outside of, of your responsibilities, your time is your own. But when you you have a family, you're married, have a family, your time is no longer your own. Your time is also uh, your mm-hmm. family. And managing that, and again, that's hard. Uh, there's not... Um, a fix it all or five step because it to this because because every situation is different every context is different uh, to say that there's one particular way it has to be is it's that's just an arrogant statement a uh, mm-hmm. very ignorant statement because there's just there's so many different situations that everybody are in but you have to gauge that one great book um that helped me early on and again I, we're not endorsed by him in any way <laughs> But uh, is Annie Stanley's book, uh, Choosing to Cheat. Um, I read this early on when I was in, when I was in college, when I was uh, entering youth ministry uh, classes in my undergraduate. And just because you, you have the cheat time. 
you have to cheat time, whether it's time away from your family, time away from your job, or time away from ministry. Mm -hmm. And knowing which one is important. Okay, of course, you have to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. Okay, so your job is important. It's still not more important than your family, but it's important to put food on the table. Uh, after that, above all, is your family. God, family, work, ministry. That's kind of how the avenue has to go when it comes to being bivocational. God first, above all. Family, family is second. Uh, your job, because you got to put a foot on the table in order yeah. to take care of your family, and then then ministry. So you're choosing your you're cheating your time has to be in that order. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's a great book. Another great book is uh, uh cannot remember the author on top of my head, but the book is called Margins. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a phenomenal book as well. Learning how to manage manage your time and uh, being prioritizing your time. Um, so that, that's that's kind of avenue that when it, when it comes to bivocational and uh, and full time, I would go as well. Yeah, uh, definitely. I'm going to hit on a point you hit on. Being single makes things a lot more easy. Uh, I've done ministry single, and I've done ministry uh, not single. And it's uh, definitely two different uh, beasts. You have a lot more free time as a single person. Um, but most of us aren't called to singleness. Uh, we're going to have a family. Uh, so you have to learn to take your time and, and figure out how to use it wisely. When I was single, I could sleep until 11 o'clock when I wasn't working. You know, now I have to use those four or five hours to work you know, on my ministry stuff. And now I've just started a new job that has completely changed my schedule around and trying to figure that out. You know, you, you've got to figure out a set plan and a set time when you're going to do ministry stuff around family and around job. Um, for sure. Uh, that's one of the, the hardest things for me that I had to figure out how to do because nobody was coaching me through it. I had to figure it out by myself. Um, it's just one of those things. Um, and then you, we're going to go back to the, to the leadership topic. Like how do you, how do you figure out where, where to put people at? What, how do you pick people to put in leadership? Um, I think this is for both of us, bivocational and full-time minister. Uh, ministry how do you figure out where to put people and how to how to put people and and what's the the number one priority for you there um that's that's a good question what one one thing i have to ask myself in order to ask that question is uh why do we what do we consider absolutely indispensable to effective ministry what what, what is <clears throat> something we absolutely have to have mm -hmm. Um, you start you start there. And of course, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, we talked about um, uh, why is ministry success, how you define uh, success in youth ministry. And we kind of talked about uh, discipleship and and is basically discipling teens and, and mm -hmm. seeing that growth in that aspect. That is the success. Working yourself out of a job uh, to where you're no longer relevant is the ultimate success where you're having students and leaders equipping equipping them for the ministry to where you're you're no longer relevant and in that sense and that's of course that is a hard to attain you probably never will 
but it's a goal that everyone should have. So with, with that is looking what is the most important and doing and training leaders for what mm. uh, to doing, doing what's most important. And of course, discipleship. Now, now strategies to do it is, is different across the board depending on your context, your culture, church culture, uh, whether you even have enough adults mm -hmm. uh, in, in your ministry to really do what you know needs, needs to happen, uh, casting vision uh, to make that happen, uh, all these different, different factors uh, go into it. My friends, just for me, uh, when I came in, our youth ministry we, it was a good it was a decent youth ministry but it still uh, was lacking a lot of discipleship there wasn't much discipleship in our youth ministry and it showed mm -hmm. uh, with the kids and uh, that was one thing when i was uh going through the interview process here at the church where i'm at currently uh that's one of the topics that again brought up is, is asking how do you disciple and teens and again i have to answer the same question depends on the context and where your culture and all that, and um, so when I got when, when I got here, there wasn't much discipleship, and it literally took me years to get it where it is now. Mm -hmm. Now we're we're not perfect by any means, but we are, we are a totally different level than than where it was five years ago. And and again, it took me five years to get to leaders that I have. Mm -hmm. it took me five years of really casting vision with them. Uh, to see the importance of discipleship and spending time with teens, investing with teens outside of a church building, how much more important that is to mm -hmm. this culture and this generation. It took five years to get there. Now we have a, a long way to go, more room to grow, but it, it, that's, but it took five years to get there, casting vision, investing in leaders. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I am weak in, personally, is I am weak in investing in adults. Mm -hmm. That is just uh, not one of my strengths, my ministry that I am currently and working on, still working on, is investing in leaders. One of my gifts is, is gifts, if you want to say that, it should be, it should be every youth pastor's mm -hmm. gift, is spending time with teens, investing in teens, discipling teenagers. Mm -hmm. A gift that I did, did not naturally have, I had to work on, because I wasn't taught this, really, mm -hmm. is the importance of developing leaders. You develop and leaders in some sense is more important than de uh, developing teenagers in the sense that the ones that are making the most impact is your adults, mm -hmm. not you. It's your small group leaders, not you. Because you can't, you can't minister one-on-one -on -one to every single teenager. That's why you have uh, leaders. Yeah. Um, so how, how I, it, again, it's, how you do it is different across the board, but what you need to do as a youth pastor, the youth leader, bivocational or full-time, is know the culture of your church, study it, know, learn the culture of your area, your city or town that you're in, your region, study the culture. When you become a student of the culture of your church and your area, it will help you learn what is effective in discipling teenagers in your area. Uh, so that's why I would say first and foremost, be a student of the culture of your church. Um, outside of that, make sure you're investing in leaders, spending time with them, teaching them what discipleship mm -hmm. is. Because a, a lot of times that you, uh, when you come into a ministry, you're fresh, you're coming to a church, coming to a youth ministry, a lot of times you're dealing with 
majority of the time, I would say you're dealing with leaders that have never been discipled themselves. A lot of times. Mm -hmm. So spend time discipling your leaders, whipping them. Um, and once you do that, that's going to overflow into your ministry, your students, and everything yeah. else. Definitely. Uh, I think another point is getting your leaders to buy into the discipleship process is a big thing. Um, unfortunately, we live in a culture where it's consumerism and nobody really wants to serve anymore. They feel like they're prodded like cattle prods to to the, the slaughter, to disciple, you know, or serve in general. And, you know, you have to figure out a good way to get your leaders to buy into the discipleship process. Um, you know, the you talking about it taking you a long time to get the discipleship mentality in your ministry. Uh, you said it was five years. Yeah, roughly five years. Yeah. And it takes a lot of a lot of time and a lot of patience. I think that that's a big thing when when you step in and you're trying to change course. You're turning a big ship with a little paddle, um, and you have to you have to be patient. And I think that takes a lot um, a lot of patience to get your ministry where you you want it to be. Um, because I know when I stepped in where I'm at, discipleship definitely wasn't in the top three you know, top four. Um, it's still not in the top three anymore right now, but we're working on it. You know, we're getting our leaders to start pouring into the students more. It takes a long time as you have to be patient and, and you have to be stubborn about things. You have to be stubborn about the vision that you want. Uh, I know that sounds really uh, bad, but you have to be stubborn about the vision that God has given you, I think personally. Um, and be patient and just know that you have to love on people just as much as you have to love on your students. You need to love on your leaders. Uh, that's one thing I've, I've been decent at is spending time with my leaders outside of church and getting them to understand that investing time in students is just as important um, because all of our leaders are bivocational. You know, they have to do the same thing you're doing as a bivocational uh, youth pastor or bivocational, whatever you are, you know, your leaders are doing the same thing you are. So you have to teach them and train them and, and show them how to do it just as much as what you're doing. And for me, it's a learning process for me still. Uh, it's a tough learning process. And sometimes I get a swift kick in the gut every once in a while, cause I'm not doing something right. You know, um, just uh, be patient, be stubborn, and uh, be loving are three of my things that I've learned in the past couple of years. Yeah, well, you actually, uh, one thing that you did say uh, that we're kind of both hitting on is uh, this idea of being patient. Uh, you're in bivocational ministry. It doesn't matter if you're bivocational or full-time. You've got to be patient. Uh, and what you're doing. But for me, at least when I think of bivocational, and you should be doing this even full time, uh, but when I think of bivocational, uh, bivocational full time, being a pastor in general is equipping the saints mm -hmm. to do the work of the ministry. So when you do that effectively, in my, in my opinion, when you do that effectively, it's almost like uh, 
again, work yourself out of jobs we talked about earlier. Yeah. Almost, almost like a, a manager mentality in a sense uh, to where as a manager, you're overseeing people. And as a manager, or or you can even say leader, you can use the term mm-hmm. leader as well. It doesn't mean that you're you're an expert in all these different things, but what you're good at should be good as a manager mm-hmm. is putting people who are experts doing certain jobs yeah. and certain things. And I think this that's even more essential, even more important as a bivocational and full time, even though you should be doing it in your full time ministry as well is putting people who are experts in certain fields, whether it be someone who's phenomenally awesome at greeters ministry, have them just take that run with it. Someone who's great doing social media, take him, take, have him give him full reign of controlling your social media, running with it, making better. Someone who's great uh, uh, doing videos, taking photos, have him do it and run with it. Someone who's phenomenal with sound, Take it, run with it. Someone who's phenomenal worship. Take it, run with it, and and going on and on and on is putting people who are better than you surrounding you uh, is so essential to me in ministry in general, but especially in bivocational in bivocational ministry. Yeah, I've uh, discovered that uh, I've been reading Next Generation Leaders by Andy Stanley, and of course, you know, like he said, we're not supported by them but you know uh one thing that got me right off the bat and like one of the first chapters was him talking about him having to let go of things that he wasn't good at and allowing people who were good at it to step up and do it and then there was a part where he said sometimes people wouldn't step up and do it and it just kind of left dangling there and sometimes that happens and you know when but when you let go of something you're not good at you're empowering a leader to step up and take control over that. And when they're invested in the, into the ministry like that, they're going to be an even better leader than they were before when they, before they stepped up, you know, you could have, you know, somebody who's just a regular uh, volunteer, who's not really doing anything, maybe just hanging out, uh, making sure that kids aren't, aren't killing themselves, running into walls and whatnot. And then you let something go like sound, and then they find that they're good at sound. Now you've empowered them to step up and learn and become more than what they were. You know, um, I think that that's a big thing is is letting go of the things you're not good at. Is and it's hard. Like I said, I'm a control freak, and you know, you're a control freak, and I'm pretty sure we're all control freaks in our own minds, but you you got to understand that letting go of things and allowing somebody else to take care of it is probably the best thing for your ministry in general. Um, because if you're spending 10% of your time doing what you're good at and 90% of your time not doing what you're bad at, you know, you're only using 10% and you're only using 10% of it to go to the good, right? So if you dropped it and did 20% of what you're bad at and 80% of what you're good at and allowing, you know, three or four other people to take that 90% from before, your ministry is just going to continue to grow and get better and, um, you know, just flourish and be healthy. And that's a, a big thing for me that I've been learning 
Uh, I'm still working on it. You know, it's a, a hard thing to, to do for me personally. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a learning curve for sure. For all of us, we should still always be learning. Well, Clint, uh, I think it's, as we're kind of wrap up a little bit before I can't, I got to, you got to talk about this before we end. Uh, Cause it, everyone who's listening, I think needs to hear this. Do you get paid for what you do when it comes to church ministry? No, not a cent. Okay. Everybody who's listening, I want, I want you to take that in. He, he, Clint right now is bivocational, doing youth ministry, working a full-time job, does not get paid. That's, that's what I'm saying, that this guy, I could not do what he does, but I think it's phenomenally awesome uh, what he's doing. Uh, because it's hard, it's hard, it's hard working a full-time job, diving so much time into ministry. Because uh, he, he's not doing it because he gets paid, he's doing it because he has a heart for it. I get free t-shirts, but that's the best part. <laughs> yeah, I love free stuff. I always have free stuff. <laughs> well, guys, I just want to thank you for, for tuning in. And guys, make sure that you tune in to next week's episode. Uh, we're going to be interviewing someone uh, who is very insightful when it comes to uh, when it comes to ministering to young girls. So make sure you tune in to next week's episode.